The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I, in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If two or three of you are gathered, there am I in your midst. Every once in a while in the Gospels, we come across one of those little pearls of Jesus's wisdom, of his sayings that, that are easy to overlook, that are easy to kind of uh, slide over because there's so many other big things happening. He's healing the sick and he's curing the lepers and he's preaching beautiful long sermons about blessed are you, blessed are they, blessed are this people and those people. It's, it's very easy sometimes to kind of just not notice these beautiful little pearls in the gospel that, that are shared with us if we're, if we're not paying close attention. And today we have one of those pearls that's easy to overlook. The simple words Jesus ends today's gospel passage with, wherever two or three of you are gathered, there am I in your midst. So Matthew, when he's writing his gospel, has some, some real problems with his own community some 40, 50, 60 years after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. One of the problems Matthew has is that his people, his community, are, are getting kind of antsy about this Jesus presence thing. 
You know, it's been so many years now and the people who remember Jesus in the flesh are dying off very quickly. Those who remember the events of Jerusalem and of Galilee and the beautiful things Jesus said, they're disappearing. And, and they're beginning to feel like Jesus has disappeared also with them. You know, it's been a long time since the resurrection already. You know, 30, 40 years, that's a generation, maybe a generation and a half have gone by. And very few people remember what happened, just the stories are being told. And they're beginning to wonder if Jesus is, is with them the same way he was with those others, those earlier first disciples and apostles of Jesus. You know, we don't feel him like he's here. It's not like he's appearing to us like he did to, to Peter and the others after the resurrection. We're not seeing him. We're not hearing his voice like they did. They had a big advantage over us. And that's why Matthew, when he writes his gospel, makes sure that this little pearl of Jesus' sayings is not lost. Because he's telling them, no, you're wrong. Don't be feeling sorry for yourselves. Jesus is here with you wherever you gather. Whenever you come together in community, in family, in church, in, in communion with one another as believers, Jesus is here with you because that's what he promised. Jesus likes gatherings. When, when he appears after the resurrection outside of the initial appearance to Mary Magdalene, all the others are to the group, to the apostles and disciples who are gathered together. Jesus likes groups. Jesus likes families. Jesus likes communities. Jesus likes people gathered. That's where he is. Matthew is telling his own people. Whenever you gather, even if it's just two or three, in Jesus' name as his followers, as his believers, and he's there with you. He's there with you. And that little pearl of wisdom that Matthew preserves for his own people has a tremendous importance to us today, maybe in some ways even more so, because we live in an age when almost the entire Western culture, whether it's in the North America or whether it's up in Europe or whether it's maybe even here down in Latin America, is telling us that gathering is no longer important. We're individuals and we have our personal rights and we have our own ways and, and we don't have to follow other people. We don't need other people. We don't need communities. We don't need tribes. We don't need churches for us to live our lives to the full. We can do it ourselves. That's what our culture, even subconsciously, is teaching us. There is a book that came out recently back in North America. It's called The Unchurching of America, The Great Unchurching. And what it describes is what pollsters and surveys have discovered over the last five, 10 years, that the number of people who go to church on Sunday, who gather, has dropped precipitously and continues to drop, and it's across the board. It's, it's every church. 
You know, Southern Baptists, Roman Catholics, Evangelicals, Protestants, Methodists, they're all going through the same unchurching of our society. And, and with that unchurching, there's, you know, we, don't, we can't blame people for that because it's, 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 it's in the society, it's in the culture, it's, it's something you don't think about. But because of our individualism, because we're so personal and one-on-one-ish, that, that groups, gatherings, communities, families, churches are no longer necessary or important for me to fulfill myself. And so why bother? I don't need to go to church. I can go skiing on Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon. I can go to the lake. I can put on a barbecue. I can do lots of stuff. I can take a walk. I can go to a mountaintop and experience, you know, God up there somehow. It's a sense that we no longer need one another. We don't need to gather together as two or three or 300 or 3,000 anymore. I can find God in my own heart, on my own terms, in my own way. That's the attitude that's built into our society and our culture. And therefore, when something better comes along, I can go. I can do something else. When they ask people why they're no longer going to church, you know, a certain percentage, not a great percentage, say, well, it's because the church is filled with scandals and hypocrisy and all that sort of but most people don't have a reason. They just say, well, I just sort of stopped going. You know, I kind of piddled out after a while. It just didn't do anything for me, for me. And, and therefore, I didn't really stop. I just sort of stopped going. Other things came up, no big deal. I didn't miss it. And, and that's precisely the problem. What happens then? Is it a coincidence that the rates of depression in our society skyrocket? Is it, is it a coincidence then that loneliness becomes one of the great afflictions of our time? Is it a consequence then that suicide rates rise? There, there have been other studies done that, say, that show that people who do go to church on Sunday people who do gather, for whom community and family is still important, when they're asked if they're very happy with their lives, far more of the people who go to church say, yes, I'm very happy with my life than those who don't. Another study done a few years ago said that, showed that, that people who go to church on Sunday, who worship with other people, live on average four years more than those who don't. So we know that there is something about gathering together, whether it's just two or three or four or a thousand or, or 500,000, is good for us just on a human level. But on a deeper level, when we gather in the name of Jesus, there is something spectacular that happens. Jesus' promise to his disciples is fulfilled among us. The community we share, the communion we share, the bond of love that we share in Jesus himself makes Jesus truly present to us and among us.
We're not missing out on what happened in the days following Jesus' resurrection. Jesus is just as much among us when we gather in his name as he is, as he was for the first disciples and first apostles. That's what Matthew is trying to teach his own followers, his own people, his own community, you know, 30, 40, 50 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's what, through the scriptures, he's teaching us today. When we gather, Jesus is with us. He is truly present among us and in us. As a community, Jesus likes gatherings. Jesus likes communities. Jesus likes families. Jesus likes churches. Because there people gather in his name and he can be present to them. You know, we, we talk about Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist a lot, and it's beautiful, it's true. You know, Jesus is present in the sacraments of the church. But Jesus is also present, we are told often enough, in the scriptures when they're proclaimed. But to proclaim scriptures, you need more than just one person. And, and Jesus, we are also taught by the church, is present among us and in us, in our very community, in our church, in our gathering together, whether it's two people or three people or a thousand people. And that gives us joy. That makes us happy. That extends our life. What could be so bad about that? Nothing. It's a gift and it's a blessing to be able to come together, to gather, to be a church, to be a people of God, to be people who profess faith in Jesus, to listen to his word, to celebrate the sacraments together as, as a community, as a people. Jesus is here. Jesus is among us. Jesus' voice speaks to us. Jesus' healing hand touches us. Jesus' love binds us together. And, and that is a joy. And it is therefore a blessing to be able to come together at least once a week. To come together and and not only be to here with one another, but to be here with Jesus, the risen Lord himself. That brings us joy. We don't come because it's an obligation. We come because it's a grace and a blessing and a deep joy for us that makes us profoundly happy and gives us life and allows us to live love in our world, which is in so many ways lonely and depressed and discouraged. What we do here is immensely important. Gathering in Christ's name is immensely important for us, yes, but also for our world. The world needs this. Humanity needs the joy and the grace and the blessings that come from gathering together in Jesus' name. 
The world needs the presence of the risen one in its life too. And that's why we come together. That's why we gather. That's why we're a community. That's why we're a family. That's why it's important that we are here for one another. Because it brings us joy. It brings us life. It allows Jesus to minister among us and through us to our world. So on this particular Sunday morning, thank you for gathering. Thank you for coming together. Thank you for the communion you share. Thank you for listening to God's word. Thank you for sharing in the body and blood of Christ. Thank you for praying together. It is a blessing for all of us, and indeed it is a blessing for the world.